0: Giuseppe, would you close the door for me? Okay. All right. Uh, this will be, I think, our sixth sermon in this series um, on uh, building up to what our church, what the vision of our church is. Remember, we are uncompromising on the Word of God. That was our first message. We're like Daniel. We've made up our mind. The second one was that, that we are like David. We're not afraid to step in front of a giant. We have We have not only church faith but we have faith to get outside these walls and, and do what God is calling us to do uh, the third message was that that we sow bountifully we we are givers we give to this church that God may establish this church we sow bountifully and we expect to reap bountifully that's the promise of God uh, we, we we talked about that God alone is our confidence we don't trust in any kind of you know newfangled methods to grow the church we trust God to grow his church by his word and through his spirit and last week we talked about prayer and i challenge you to be a people of prayer i challenge you to 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 pray that god would come down in a mighty way in this place and i want to continue that series tonight as we talk about love and what god's calling us to do in the body Uh, from our very very earliest moments on the planet we are marked and labeled and branded as soon as we're born somebody scoops us up and they put a bracelet on our wrist, and, and uh, they still do the pink and blue little caps, I, I presume. I, I don't know. It's been a while for me. Uh, and, and, and you get your father's name so everybody knows that you belong to him. And you're born in a certain country, and, and you speak a language, and you say a pledge, and, and you have a flag, and, and you know we're Americans and Italian and, and Australians and Chinese and, and Africans. Uh, we, we go to school, and we have special colors, and... And we go to sporting events and we wear those colors and people know that we belong to that school. We get a job. Some of us wear special attire so people know what we do and what our expertise is. We get married and we put on a ring and people know that we belong to somebody else. Some in the world revere a crescent moon and we know we know what they profess. Some, some revere a Buddha and we know what they profess. Some revere Uh, A six-pointed star and we know what they profess we revere the cross we profess to be Christians from uh, from the very beginning of our life and all through our life we are marked and branded and categorized and classified it's just something that men have always done men have always done this from the very beginning of time it's just that I don't think most men really understand why they go through this exercise Uh, I think any amateur psychologist will tell you that mankind has a deep-seated need to belong. What I don't think most psychiatrists understand, particularly if they're not Christians, they don't understand why this need exists, why this need exists. We we do, we are Bible-believing Christians, we understand where this need comes from. It's something that was lost in part, it was lost in the fall. Mankind, we know that, we know that uh, in a visceral sense we need to belong. And you and I as Christians, Bible-believing Christians, we understand why we feel that need. Because we were created by someone and for someone. Right? Colossians 1.16 We were created by Jesus Christ and for Jesus Christ. We were created by Him and for Him. We were redeemed by Him and for Him. Je- and Jesus has marked us out. We are branded and we are labeled. We are marked as His. Does anyone know the preeminent mark of a genuine Christian? Jesus says it in John 13, 34 and 35, the preeminent mark of all true believers. Jesus says this, A new commandment I give to you, love one another even as I have loved you. By this all men will know that you are My disciples if you have love for one another if you profess to be a christian tonight if you profess to be a follower of christ if you profess to be uh his disciple if you profess to love him this is what you were called to this is your label this is your brand you are called to love the brethren this is non-negotiable with christ you are called to love the brethren i like the way the message paraphrases The last part of verse 35 in John 13, it says, This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. So let me ask you, how is this a new command? How is this a new commandment, as Jesus said? Well, the Old Testament tells us that first and foremost, we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And then secondly, we're to love, anyone know? Our neighbor as ourselves but this is a whole brand new thing that Jesus is talking about this is a radical new call to love the brethren as he has loved us this is supernatural this is a supernatural call to love it's way past loving your neighbor it's infinitely above loving your neighbor as yourself God says I expect my people, to love each other like I love them. This is huge. This is a huge call. Christians are to love Christians as Christ loves Christians. I'm to love John as Christ loves me. And John is to love Sarah as Christ loves him. And and, and Sarah is to love David like Christ loves her. you get it? that's what we're called to we're not called to anything less than that nothing less than that that's what a real Christian is supposed to do and I told the morning congregation if I'm not mistaken this is another one of those big slides because I don't know how to do that by myself I can't love like that by myself as I said this is a supernatural thing and the only way we can ever love like that is to surrender to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to love through us. That's the only way it's possible. It is impossible any other way than to simply surrender to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to love through us. So what does Jesus' love look like? Well, all we have to do is look at the Incarnation and the infinite condescension of God. Are you willing to condescend in the, amongst the brethren? All we have to do is look at the cross and, and look at the unfathomable sacrifice and selflessness of Jesus Christ. Are you willing to love the brethren like that with a selflessness and, and a sacrificial love? What does Jesus' love look like? <laughs> it's supernatural. It's supernatural. It's beyond all of us. And I thought about a bunch, a bunch of adjectives and I could lay them all out for you, but I cannot get there. I cannot get there when you think about the love of jesus now, this is basic christianity and and you know it's also advanced christianity all at the same time <laughs> it's basic fundament, fundamental elementary christianity jesus says my uh, sons and daughters love like i love john was sitting there that night when jesus said this this is uh, the night before the cross and Jesus goes through about three or four chapters where He's teaching His men there in the Gospel of John. And John's sitting there and he's hearing this. And he never forgot it. And when he writes 1 John, this is, it's, still, it's still ringing in his ears. I want you to, I'm just going to pull up some, some verses from 1 John. I want you to listen to them. 1 John 3.10 Anyone who does not love his brother is not of God. Boy, that's pretty serious, right? That's pretty serious. 1 John 3.11 This is the message you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. 1 John 3.14 We know that we have passed out of death and into life. How do we know this? What is, the, what is the mark? How do we know we've passed out of death and into life? How do we know? What does the Bible say? The Bible says, Because we love the brethren. Because we love the brethren. First John 3, 1 John 3.1 Let us not love with word and with tongue, but in deed and in In truth, 1 John 3.16, we know love by this, that Jesus Christ laid down His life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Jesus Christ says, true disciples of mine, they're branded. They love like I do. They're labeled. They love like I love. The love of Christ is not syrupy. It's not sentimental. it's It's not some maudlin kind of love. It's blood, sweat, and tears kind of love. It's roll up your sleeves kind of love. It's expensive and courageous kind of love. That's the kind of love God is calling us to. It's hard work kind of love. That's what God is calling Christians to do in the body. And I'll be honest with you, I'm glad God's called us to that kind of love because we need that here. (laughs) We need that At the International Church of Milan if we're going to survive we've got to love each other we've got to love each other in all honesty I'll I'll, I'll talk a little bit about my my history I know we're from different countries and and uh, but I grew up in a place called the Bible Belt in the south in the US it's called the Bible Belt and uh, you know you you can shop around and you can find any flavor of church you want you know you, you can find one that believes just like you exactly, down to the finest point of doctrine. You know that believes uh, just like you uh, as far as all the peripheral issues. You can find the church. You can find a church in the states. There's so many of them. You can shop around and find one that has the carpet that you like, the color of carpet you like. That's how much shopping you could do in the states. It's easy over there. You can you can worship with your own social class. Your own race. You can worship in your own preferred tradition, your own style of music. You can be with with people who think exactly like you and sound exactly like you and look exactly like you and smell exactly like you. It's easy where I'm from. It's easy. Because everybody looks alike, thinks alike, dresses alike, talks alike, and they sound alike. But it's not like that here. In three and a half years we've been here, we've had 42 nations through the church in every conceivable denomination. And we're never going to be all the same. We're never going to be the same. You know what? I say praise God. I I, I say praise God. You know why? You You know who gets the glory when people from all over the world, all different colors, all different cultures, all different traditions, you know who gets the glory when we come together and we love each other? Who gets the glory? God. Men can't do this. Men do not have the capacity to do this. Only God can do this. Only God can do this. And I'll be honest with you, I long for greater diversity in this church. I long for greater diversity in the church. And and I challenge the North uh, congregation. I, I challenge you to go out and find somebody unlike you and invite them to church. Build a relationship with them. And invite them to come and worship the living God, with us. We, as a church, will not survive with all the diversity that we have, often own. We don't have as much now as we've had it sometimes in the past, but we will not survive if we do not love as Jesus calls us to love. Now, you—you've you, been around. Most of you've been around long enough. You know that we stand on the Word of God. We magnify the Word of God. We preach it and teach it. We love it. We are uncompromising on that point. In fact, if we give up on the Word of God, if we move away from it, as many denominations have done, if you move away from it, you really cease to be a church at all. You're just something else. You're some kind of other thing. Nobody really knows what to call it, but you're not a church anymore in the Christian sense. The other thing that we will be uncompromising on is that Christ has called us to love one another as He has loved us we will be uncompromising on that point. If we refuse to love each other like that, by definition, we are not Christians. By definition, we are not a biblical church. If we refuse to love each other the way Christ has loved us. Friends, Satan doesn't destroy churches from the outside. He destroys them from the inside because the people will not love one another as we're called to Satan doesn't have to bring opposition from the outside he destroys churches from the inside when Karen and I first arrived in Italy we uh, bought a car from a a, a veteran missionary we had lunch with him and I said what do I need to know that I don't know you know i had been I've just got off the boat right I didn't know anything and so I was just asking for his experience and he said okay well here it comes he said, one, he says, uh, Satan is going to come after you. He said, this is, Italy is one of his primary play pens, and he doesn't want you here. And he's going to come after you. And he's going to try to get between you and your wife. And he's going to sow discontent between your and your, you and your wife. He's going to try to destroy your marriage and then he said sarcastically he says if you're able to build a ministry team he says then he's gonna come after that and he's gonna try to take all the little minute differences that might exist in that ministry team and he's gonna blow them out of proportion and he's gonna try to destroy that ministry team over nothing over goofy things and he told me he'd seen it before and I I have seen it since I've been here he says sarcastically "He says if you actually get the church up and running this Satan is going to get into your flock and he's going to try to he's going to try to motivate the people to get to get stirred up over nothing petty little things that don't matter and he's going to try to destroy you from the inside because you will not love as Christ has called us to love I bet many of you have seen churches implode ministry teams implode because they refuse to love like Christ has called us to love. They refuse to do it. They let selfish and petty and trifling differences get in the way. And, brothers and sisters, we can't afford to do that at the International Church of Milan. We will not survive. We simply will not survive. In Colossians 3 5 through 15, God says, You're different than the world. And He says, you, you're not supposed to act like that anymore. And He says, you're supposed to have died to yourself. And then He says, you're supposed to put away anger and wrath and slander and malice and abusive speech. You're to put on the new self that I have given you. And then I'm just going to read Colossians 3, 11 through 14. God says, I've given you this new self. I've put it in you. I've created it in you by My power. And then he says this, Therefore, there is no distinction between the Greek and the Jew, the circumcised and uncircumcised, the barbarian, the Scythian, the slave and free man. But Christ is all in all. And so as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion. Here's your call. Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. Whoever is... Uh, Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you forgive. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. I like in the Greek because uh, the, the word distinction is not actually in the text. What you read in the text is, there is not Greek and Jew. There is not free and slave. Christ has obliterated the distinction. There is not any more distinction. In my body we are one in Christ we are one in Christ there is no distinction Christ has swallowed them up (laughs) I love it so um, we're gonna have a pastoral moment just for a few minutes okay pastoral moment Um, if you're here and you want to major on the minors and you want to squabble about every Fine point of doctrine. If you want to find fault, if you want to complain and be unkind and have a critical spirit, if you are unwilling to to humbly learn from one another and see the joy in that from our differences and our and our diversity, if you are unwilling to be long suffering with the person sitting next to you, if you want to harbor every perceived offense, and you will not be forgiving. If you are unwilling to forgive me when I will inevitably disappoint you, if you can't give me grace when I disappoint you, then I can save us all a lot of time and a lot of grief. What I will say to you, if that fits you, then you need to find another church. You need to find another church. Because in this church, by God's grace and His enabling, we will seek. To love one another, as Christ has loved us and here 's my commitment to you here 's my pastoral commitment to you. no partiality here if if I ever discern that you are uh, fomenting uh, strife and controversy and and uh, disunity in the church, your phone will ring, and I will come to your house and and I will sit across the table from you and, and we 'll get into the scriptures and we 'll pray through it and try to try to See what God says about it. And I'll walk through, through a season of time with you. But if you, if you persist in creating disharmony. And, and you won't be loving and forgiving and, and forbearing in this church. And I will ask you to leave. I will ask you to leave. Because I will not sacrifice this great command of Jesus Christ. I will not. It is how men know we are His. That we love one another that we love one another as he has loved us you guys know the word agape right but many of you have heard this word agape it's a, it's one of the greek words for love it's it's interesting in ancient literature it's very it's it's very rare but of course in the new testament it's all over the place and there are other greek words for love like eros which is sexual or romantic love. There's another word, uh, phileia, that, uh, philei that, that is, is, is about brotherly love and friendship. But this word agape, this word agape, I bet you probably know what it means. It means sacrificial love. This is the kind of love, this is the Greek term that Jesus was using in John 13, and this is the Greek word that is being used in Colossians 3 that I just read, and this is the, the Greek word being used in 1 Corinthians 13 that you heard Derek Reed earlier 1st Corinthians 13 fleshes out agape love and isn't that terrible my Bible's sitting here so that's a long introduction right <laughs> that's a long introduction hope you have your bibles open to 1st Corinthians 13 as always you got to get the context you got to get the context uh, or we lose much of the force of the words. Paul is in, in, in almost a continual reproof of the Corinthians. He's correcting the Corinthians because they have this wrong understanding. They have wrong attitudes. They have a wrong behavior. They, they've been, uh, uh, they have a wrong use of the ordinances and the gifts. And, and right in the middle of this reproof and this correction, Paul writes this beautiful chapter uh, Chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. You get to the end of chapter 12, and it says, and I will show you a still more excellent way. So you almost have to go read the previous chapters and get the flow. But Paul says, here's a more excellent way. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains but do not have love i am nothing paul says if i speak with transcendent elegance if i can preach and teach the greatest greatest truths in the greatest possible way but i do not have love he says i am nothing i am nothing and he talks about these gongs and these symbols what he's saying is because the pagans all around this corinthian church when when they would worship their pagan deity they would bring out the symbols and the gongs and they would bang and bang and bang and what paul is saying he says if we can't love one another we're no better than the more no better than the pagans we're no better than the pagans Paul says, if I could wrap all the, unwrap all the mysteries of God, if I could fathom the unfathomable and, and lay it out for you, all the mysteries of this great God, if I could do that, but I have not love, he says, I'm nothing. He says, I'm nothing. Verse 3, and if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but do not have love, It profits me nothing. Paul says benevolence without love is of no value in the kingdom of God. And Paul says even if if I go to martyrdom and I do not love, he said it is of no profit. It is of no profit. I like the way the message paraphrases the end of verse 3 here. It says, So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I am bankrupt without love. Friends, are you hearing what God's saying to you tonight? Are you hearing what God is saying? In verse 4 through 7, Paul's going to just hold up this diamond of love and, he, and we're just going to see the, the light come through and we're going to get all of these facets and, and hues. We're going to see the whole spectrum of what God is calling us to do and it's quite interesting because uh, in the English here you have some adjectives but in the Greek it's all verb forms. It's all verb forms. God is not just telling us what love is. He's telling us what you're supposed to do and what I'm supposed to do. This is not an abstract theological lesson. This is how my children do. This is how they do love. This is what love looks like in the body of Christ. Okay, these are verb forms. In the original language, this is how I expect my children to live. Look at this, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is patient, literally. Literally. It is long-suffering, and it is long-tempered. God calls you to be wronged again, and again, and again, and again, and still love. Brothers and sisters, are you loving the brethren like that? Or do you snap off at the first offense, the first perceived offense, Are you willing to be wronged again and again and again and again and again and and still love? That's how Jesus loves. Love is kind. Just as patience will take anything from others, kindness will give anything to others. Literally, to be useful, to be serving, to be gracious. It's more than having kind feelings. It's doing kind things. Let me ask you. Anyone in here guilty of a random act of kindness this last week? If not, repent. You can do it this week. A random act of kindness in the name of the Lord Jesus to one of your brethren. Random act of kindness, okay? Love, look again with me. Love is not jealous. Jesus referred to jealousy in Matthew 20.15 as an evil eye as an evil eye. It's one of the most insidious and destructive sins. It is the antithesis of Christian love. James 3.16 says this, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Did you hear it? Not just some evil thing. Not just that evil will have some opportunity. He says where this exists, jealousy and envy. What does he say? Every evil thing is there. Every evil thing. Look with me. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. The Corinthian believers were proud of their gifts and they were vying for attention. As John MacArthur says, he says they were spiritual show-offs and they wanted everybody to look at them and see their gift and what they brought to the body. And, And the whole church was in disarray because people wanted to be the center of attention. God says in Proverbs 8, 13, pride and arrogance, does anybody know? God says, eh, I don't like it too much. Is that what He says? He says, I hate it. God says, I hate it. I hate pride and I hate arrogance. Proverbs 11.2 When pride comes, then comes dishonor. Proverbs 13.10 uh, Through uh, presumption comes nothing but strife. Proverbs 16.18 Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. Arrogance is big-headed. Okay, But love is what? Big-hearted. Arrogance is big-headed. But love is big-hearted. Look at verse 5. Love does not act unbecomingly. Very simply, Christian love, and it was in Derek's translation that he read, Christian love is not rude. It is gracious and it is considerate. Look, Look again with me. Love does not seek its own. One theologian said this, If you can cure selfishness, you will have just replanted the Garden of Eden. And that's that's exactly right. If we could just get rid of selfishness, we would have the Garden of Eden again. I mean, Adam and Eve, uh, they, they would not have God's way. They wanted their own way. They wanted to be selfish and have their own way. And they rebelled against a good and gracious God. Look with me if you would. Love is not provoked. It is not aroused to anger. It is not given to outbursts of emotion. And I love this. It guards against anger. It guards itself against being irritated. It guards itself against being offended. It guards itself against being angry. The Christian, the maturing Christian has put up barriers. So he won't cross them. He's guarding himself and guarding his heart against that which can destroy a relationship. He's guarding himself by the power of the Word of God. You know a person seeking his own is easily provoked but a person seeking the good of another he's hard to he's hard to provoke he's hard to provoke look with me if you will verse 6 love does not take into account a wrong suffered I love this this is an accounting term in the Greek Uh, this is an accounting term resentment keeps careful books resentment keeps careful and pristine books. They want to know who they owe vengeance to. It keeps careful and pristine books, but love has no ledger. Love keeps no ledger of wrongs. Christian love keeps no ledger of wrongs. Look with me. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but in truth. The most common form of rejoicing in unrighteousness in the church is gossip. It's about you saying something unkind about someone else in this body. It's about you saying something unkind about me. It's about me saying something unkind about you to someone else. It's it's it's, it's being a part of the grapevine. It's carrying that rumor just one person further. Right? God says, Christian love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but we rejoice in truth. And we rejoice in truth to such a degree. We love people so much that we will tell them the truth, even when they're hating us, even when they're screaming at us, even when they're calling us every conceivable name they can think of. We are to convey truth. We do not back down. We call truth the truth. We say what it is. We try to convey it in love. But we love people enough to tell them the truth. You know, if I see a brother sinning, what am I supposed to do? What does the Word of God say? if I see someone sinning am I just supposed to turn away I'm supposed to go to that brother and I'm supposed to confront that brother because I love that brother now if I don't love him I don't care what he does I'm called loving enough to go sit down and look him in the eye and say brother you need to repent and you you were called to do the same look at verse 7 if you will love bears all things I love this love It covers and it supports and it protects from exposure and ridicule. It does not exploit or gloat. I love what uh, John MacArthur says here. He says, "Love bears all. It does not bear all." You understand what I'm saying? Love bears b e a r s all, but it does not bear b a r e s all. You understand? Christian love bears all, but it does not bear all. We cover and we protect our brothers. And, and we try to protect them from false allegation or any allegation or any rumor. Love bears all. Love believes all things. It is not suspicious. It is not cynical. It is not jealous. You know, jealousy wants the worst to happen. It loves it when the worst happens. But, but, but Christian love believes the best. And it wants the best to happen. believes And love's the best. Love hopes all things. In our darkest and hardest and most painful moments, love hopes in God. Love hopes in God. I love this. Agape love refuses to take failure as final. Agape love refuses to take failure as final. Paul says, love endures all things. I love this. This is a military term. This is a military term. We we'll hold this ground we will not relinquish this ground no matter what it costs we will die loving the brethren no matter what it costs It's a military term no matter what it costs we will hold fast to this ground and lastly Paul ends he says right here this is where I'm going to end verse 8 love never fails you know why you know why? love Christian love genuine Christian love never fails you know why we sang it we sang it just a few minutes ago because love God's love never fails (laughs) you know how he loves his people from everlasting to everlasting his love is infinite it is eternal his love is blood sweat and tears love Friends, this is not a suggestion from God. This is not good advice from God. This is God's command to you and me. Love the brethren as I have loved you. Christ's love bears what is otherwise unbearable, it believes what is otherwise unbelievable, it hopes what is otherwise hopeless, and it endures what is otherwise unendurable and I want to close with a litany here of some of the things the New Testament tells us as Christians about love God says you're to learn love from me the scripture says we are taught by God to love God says you're to learn it from me look at me look at my son this is how you're to love The Bible says we are to pursue and put on love. God says we are to increase and abound in love. God says we are to be sincere in love. God says we are to be unified in love. God says we are to be fervent in love. God says we are to stimulate one another to love. Brothers and sisters, I'm calling you. I'm calling you to love each other like this. And all I'm doing is simply repeating the words of God. Your God has called you to love one another like this. This is not a suggestion. (laughs) This is not good advice. This is God's command. John 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give to you. Love one another, even as I have loved you. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Let's pray together. Lord God, teach us how to love like this. We can't survive in this place if we don't learn how to love like this. And Father, there's probably some of us in here that need to repent. We probably not have loved the brethren as You have called us to love the brethren. Father, we have been careless, no doubt. We have not been long-suffering. We have not been forgiving. We have not been humble. We have taken we have taken offense at the smallest and silliest and goofiest things. And we have spoken unkindly about one of our brothers and sisters. Father, I pray that everyone in this room and everyone connected with this church would repent from that from this point forward. Father, that, that maybe, maybe we could do what Jesus says. Maybe, maybe we could love each other like we're supposed to love each other. And Father, we know this is a supernatural thing. We confess what You already know. We can't do this by ourselves. But we also know all that You command, You give. And You've given us the third member of the Trinity to indwell us. And all we're supposed to do is allow Him to love through us. We don't have to do it by ourselves. All we have to do is submit to Your Word and to Your Spirit and allow You to be at work through us. To love the brethren. To be kind. To be gracious. To be long-suffering. To do those random acts of kindness. To learn how to do blood, sweat, and tears kind of love. Expensive love. Courageous love. Hard work love. Lord, help us to be a church like that. We praise You, glorious Jesus. It's in Your name that I pray. Amen.